0: welcome to the Boobing It podcast where we the lid on breastfeeding and tell you what it's really like. I'm your host Ruth, founder of the online breastfeeding magazine boobingit.com and proud mama of two. On each episode I'll be joined by a special guest to have meaningful conversations about breastfeeding and digging deep on those issues and topics that matter most to you. So let's get on with the show. you know breastfeeding for the first year takes approximately 1800 hours to compare a full-time job with three weeks holiday is 1862 hours so in summary breastfeeding is a full-time job it's important to make your time breast or bottle feeding your baby as comfy and supportive as possible to limit short and long-term aches and pains rest easy with el tuto's range of nursery chairs that are designed to make this stage and beyond as comfortable and supportive as possible with their swivel bases and gliding features, armrests to the right height to support your baby and high and cushioned backrests, their range will certainly help you soothe your tired body during those long nights with your new baby. Until the 25th of December, L22 is giving our audience a massive 20% off their premium comfy nursery chairs. Use code BOOB20 at eltuto.co.uk. That's I-L-T-U-T-T-O.co.uk. Today I am joined by Karen Hall who is a breastfeeding counsellor, writer and podcaster who regularly discusses issues around pregnancy, birth and early parenthood. Most recently Karen published her first book with Pinter and Martin entitled Why Mixed Feeding Matters. I'm really looking forward to speaking with Karen about her new book and delving deep into the world of mixed feeding. First of all Karen, I'd love for you to introduce yourself
1: and tell us a bit about the work that you do. Okay, so I'm Karen Hall and I'm an NCT breastfeeding counsellor. I always say that first and foremost because it absolutely is what I am. Um, I've been doing that for about 15 years and I do various other things as well now, mostly within NCT, but um, I've done a lot of podcasting in the past, Um, but really working with parents is, is my thing. Um, and also working with other people who work with parents, if you see what I mean. So do lots of training. Um, I'm a tutor for NCT. And um, I'm also, I am in the second year of doing a part-time, so six years, PhD. And my subject is um, how families define successful mixed feeding and what supports them to achieve that success.
0: Wow, so you're very busy, I think we can safely say. I am quite uh, busy. Yes, and uh, fantastic that you're doing this PhD. And that leads me into um your new book, which you mentioned in the intro, Why Mixed Feeding Matters. This is your first book. And before we get into the nitty gritty, I'd love for you just to um tell us what you mean by mixed feeding, because there'll probably be people listening that have never heard this term or aren't quite sure what it means. So tell us what it means.
1: Yes. Thank you. It's a good question. And even within the circles of my own colleagues this morning, I've had, I've seen somebody asking that question. So um, the World Health Organization talks about it in terms of a baby who is getting breast milk plus something else, um, which usually would be formula milk, um, but might be solids or tea or water or um, different things in different cultures. I generally take it to mean breast milk plus formula. But parents who are using expressed milk, whether that's their own expressed milk or donated milk, might also consider themselves to be mixed feeding. So a big part of my PhD, which is what I'm about to embark upon this next study, is going to be a survey. And I'm including that as a question because I want to know how parents define it and how they talk about themselves so again this morning i've been speaking to a colleague because she has been reading the book and she said that um she she thought of herself as a breastfeeding mother but she was definitely using both breast milk and formula so um Different things to different people, um, which may not answer your question particularly
0: well. <laughs> yes. And but it's it's important to you know, as you say, go out and speak to those to the people who, you know, this, you know, consider themselves to be mixed feeding. What do they mean by that? But it just shows you how um expansive the term can be. Um mm. and you know, am I right in thinking as well that as well as mixed feeding, we often we we also call it combination feeding?
1: Yeah, combination well. feeding or partial breastfeeding
0: or partial breastfeeding sometimes
1: used particularly in the research partial is used
0: okay um and in your experience is mixed feeding something that many parents actively choose or is it something that they've been advised to do by a healthcare provider you know tell us yeah. a bit more about that
1: so both of those things happen yeah And I came to this initially as somebody who talks to a lot of parents from quite, probably quite a homogenous demographics, a lot of um, people with, um, you know, fairly well educated, fairly well off, um, usually professional, um, and doing their antenatal sessions, they will talk a lot about an expectation that they're going to mixed feed because they think that that will make their lives easier. Um, and you and I, as as mothers with experience of actually breastfeeding babies, know that's probably not the case. And that was what initially prompted me to want to be interested in this area, because I was like, "Well, that's wrong, isn't it?" Um, and actually, um, I have to say, with humility, having done um, you know started to do this research, that people do it for so many different reasons. Very often, and I really should have realised this, because of a cultural assumption that breastfeeding doesn't work and it's not it's not sustainable and it's difficult to do and it's restricting and it's embarrassing and it's painful and they know so many people who tried to breastfeed and didn't didn't do it for as long as they want to and the statistics support this that that many many people will stop breastfeeding before they'd planned but many many more will continue breastfeeding alongside using formula whether that is Something that they positively decided before the baby was born, or is as you say something that they've been advised to do by a health professional. So that's sort of a second category, is where it was never part of the plan, or even if it was sort of something that they thought was an inevitable thing that would happen eventually, it happens sooner than they thought because somebody somewhere has said breastfeeding's not quite working here. We need to make sure that the baby gets some formula.
0: Yeah, and that's certainly what we hear a lot of and BoobingIt.com and a lot of them. The mama stories that come through to us about that early breastfeeding journey, you know, even when they're still in hospital, they're often leaving hospital combination mixed feeding, Um, which is very interesting to me. And it's but it's a way for them almost to leave hospital sooner rather than later so that they can say, oh, look, baby can take a bottle of formula. Um, And but yes, it's, it's a very it's very layered then because often these women leave doing a combination of both, but real what they really want is to solely breastfeed, especially in those first slot of Mm. months. And then then they start to wonder how they're actually going to achieve that. Yeah. Um, you know, and so maybe you could tell us a bit about that. And and you know, because it it is so important to be well informed in those early days because you need to know what the, the kind of pros and cons are of going down this route. So maybe you could tell us a bit a bit more about that, what we need to kind of be aware of. Because yeah. certainly, as you said, it can have it can work for so many families if done the right way. But you know, we also have to consider some of the the drawbacks that may also happen when when yeah. considering mixed feeding.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what you've described, where families leave hospital, mixed feeding, because that helps them to get out, is is very very common. Um, and it might well be the case that they're not just using breast milk and formula, but they're also expressing as well. So in a, a triple feeding situation, which and you've just made the face that is yeah. what I feel inside when I think about triple feeding. Oh my goodness, that's the worst. Yeah. Because yeah. you're doing that's relentless. Yeah. That that is nothing but feeding the baby. And yes. for that to be what your first days and weeks with your newborn is is entirely focused on, that that's not generally speaking a really wholly positive experience um so and, and in the book um uh, there is a co- uh, sorry there is a chapter written by my colleague Janet Rimmer who is a mother of triplets herself and she trains peer supporters for Tamba. and her um, chapter includes a bit where it says dear health professionals if you find that you are sending parents home, with a feeding plan that includes mixed feeding, can you please make sure that they know where where the getting off point is? When can I stop doing this? When is the situation stable enough for me to start tipping the balance one way or the other? And you're right, a lot of people will want to go back to breastfeeding. That might have been their plan. Even if they thought about mixed feeding at some point in the future, I'd like to breastfeed for a few weeks at least. And if they're already um using both then the risk is that their milk supply is compromised such that it's going to be really hard to get back to full breastfeeding if that's what they want to do so what i've written in the book is um it's very much about how breastfeeding works which luckily is the thing i know about so <laughs> i know about that bit without doing a phd uh-huh. so i've written about how how breastfeeding works and this is what i focus on in antenatal sessions as well because formula is there and at, at a basic level it has instructions on the side of the packet you can do formula without it being a huge learning curve um, which is not to belittle the experiences of parents parents using formula because they will have challenges in all kinds of different ways. Um, but the breastfeeding is more complex and takes a little bit more management if you are in that kind of situation where you're doing both. And if you're wanting to tip it one way or the other, it's not often, sometimes it is, but it's not often a case of, well, just breastfeed more. Yeah. It's going to be, well, why Was the formula introduced in the first place? Do we need to work on that? Yeah. Is it something around the baby's latch? Is it something around the baby being really sleepy? Um, Is that still the case? Do you need some support with it? And focus on what's going on with the breastfeeding side of it and get that working so that either you can get back to breastfeeding or you can continue to mix feed. Because what I keep saying, like a stuck record, is it's not mixed feeding if the breastfeeding isn't working. Yeah, yeah good point so the focus is on knowing about that knowing how to get the support for it and i bang on about that that's my other stuck record thing get support get good support get skilled support talk to somebody who knows about breastfeeding because people who support breastfeeding will support you with all the situations and that includes breastfeeding alongside using formula
0: yeah I mean and we bang on about it too support 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 don't suffer in silence yeah. yeah and you'd be well you're not you wouldn't be surprised but so many mothers especially with their first baby and they're struggling they just don't they don't verbalize it they don't say I need help I'm worried um they just internalize it and eventually mm. often it means the end of their breastfeeding journey or journey because they just think you know what this isn't this isn't working for me I'm just going to formula feed um but yes support is key and if you're not happy with So if maybe your healthcare professional is like, you know, baby isn't gaining enough weight, let's put them on, let's get them a bottle of formula. If you're not happy with that, you're well within your rights to say, well, actually, could I, I would like you know, more breastfeeding support. I feel like if we work a bit more on positioning and attachment, maybe we could get there and um, maybe like to try expressing milk and see if they take express milk in a bottle. First of all, you know, don't be afraid to speak up. But I think is again, when you're when you're maybe you've just had your first baby, you're just going to do whatever is said to you. But ask those questions. You know, with my with both my children, they were um they didn't you know there was worries about their weight gain you know they dropped a lot of weight then their weight plateaued for a lot of days and and I was told if baby doesn't put on weight we're gonna have to bring you back into hospital and uh, the fear of god was in me um and you know we they were saying we'd have to think about formula and for me that was a no-no I wanted to breastfeed I wanted to make it work um and I just had baby on the boob 24 7 but I also know that and that worked that worked and we we continue to work on positioning and attachment um but you know in a lot of cases that's not that's not going to work even if baby is attached to you 24 7 it may not be the solution there may be something physical holding the baby back such as a severe tongue tie it's so important to look into it to get that breastfeeding support but as we as you you know we know that sometimes that can be hard to come
1: by Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I would say without belittling the important work that our health professionals do in the maternity services, sometimes it is the right thing to go outside of that and speak to somebody from one of the charities. There are so many charities that support breastfeeding um, and will support mixed feeding situations as well. So you can ring a helpline, you can go to a support group, you can um, ask the health professional to um suggest somebody because they very often will know who the breastfeeding counselors in their areas are and where the drop-in groups are. And you can get support from somebody who has time, which is the thing that your maternity staff don't. Yeah. They, it takes time. It could take, you know, I sometimes spend an hour with a with a new family mm-hmm. trying to help them to get their feeding situation right for them. And it is Almost impossible for a health visitor or a midwife to spend that amount of time focused on one family.
0: And often, all they need is that are Are amazing to have mm. one-to-one support, hands-on support for an hour. It can be, it can be really, um, it can dramatically change them and give them that confidence that they need to continue on their breastfeeding journey. Yeah. Um, so you know how wonderful if everyone could be given that it would be amazing, wouldn't it? Um, that would but, be my know, manifesto. I know. I know. <laughs> i wanted to take a little break in this episode to tell you more about our sponsors el tuto and their range of nursing chairs from rocking chairs and glider chairs to recliner chairs and electric recliner chairs el tuto have a range of chairs available in stylish colors and premium fabrics their nursery chairs are built to last and to be cherished in the family home for many years Use the code boob 20 to get an amazing 20% off El Tudo's premium comfy nursery chairs. Simply visit eltudo.co.uk and enter the code at the checkout. You mentioned earlier, you know, one of the things that we need to be aware of when, when we're um, going down that mixed feeding journey, no matter how, even if it's for a few days or a few weeks or whatever, one of the big things we need to be aware of is the milk supply issue mm. when it comes to breastfeeding. So, can you can you tell us a bit more about about that?
1: Yeah. So, um, basically, as as probably you and your listeners will be aware, the production of milk uh, of breast milk is driven by the removal of breast milk. So, if if a baby is feeding or if a mother is expressing, then milk is being produced, and as soon as formula is part of the picture, less of that is going to happen. So, where a baby gets formula, and a mother wants to me- to maintain or establish a, bil- a milk supply, she needs to be thinking about well how how do I make sure that my body is still getting the message about producing milk? So, if if formula is being introduced as a short term measure, um, and really, unless you've said otherwise as as the parent, then it, that should be the assumption. Then um, it is useful to also be protecting the milk supply so a mother might want to be expressing even a little tiny bit of expressing and lots and lots and lots of skin to skin time and even if that isn't accompanied by the baby actually latching on and feeding it can be remarkably effective to spend time as you said didn't you earlier you know i i spent all that time with my baby on my boob yeah doing that and even if the baby isn't feeding, but they are just there and they're just nuzzling around, that can make a significant difference to the entire experience because you know this, how layered this is and how um, people start to doubt themselves. And you said about you know people, people internalize it and they are going to be very susceptible to that cultural message that breastfeeding doesn't really work that they've got. And so they'll be like, well, I'm one of those people it doesn't work for. And that's that's a really sad thing to feel. And we know again from the research um and you can find this in um say, Amy Brown's book about breastfeeding, grief, and trauma, that people feel things about this decision that last for a really long time. Um, and so I guess my mission is is really about kind of helping the parents to 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 navigate this journey in a way that feels okay. And doesn't give that long lasting grief and trauma. Yeah. At the end of it.
0: And, you know, we've talked about mixed feeding in terms of kind of out of necessity, often it's it's happening, especially in those early days when we just had mm. maybe the baby is um slow to gain weight or is losing weight. And, you know, this is a it's a you know, introducing formula is uh it's a great way to get baby's weight up. It can be, you know, a game changer and it can really help you. And for some people, they say that introducing formula um, helped continue help them continue breastfeeding. You know, it, it was a positive thing because yeah. they thought, well, if I can do both and I can still breastfeed, but also give them some formula, and it seems to be working well, then um, it encourages me to keep breastfeeding. You know, also we hear people, you know, it's it's a lifestyle choice for some people to do the mixed feeding. They yeah. almost want the best of both worlds. They want to have that closeness that comes from nourishing their baby with their own milk. um, But they also want the convenience of being able to leave the baby with daddy or with granny so that they can mm-hmm. go out, whether that's out of necessity or just because they need that time to themselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's maybe more convenient for them to, to choose formula in that instance. And, you know, uh on Boobing It, we have a book, uh Breastfeeding for Beginners, and we included a chapter on we called a combination feeding. Um and some people were saying, you know, why would you include that in a breastfeeding book? You know, should it all be about breastfeeding? And we said we're realists, we live in the modern world with, you know, there's a lot of pressure on us, there's a lot of pressure on parents to get back into the workplace early on. And you know, I can relate to that with my first child. I was going back into a brand new job, brand new business. My daughter was coming up to nine months old and I really, really wanted to just breastfeed her, you know, um, exclusively for the first year. But when reality hit home that I was going to st- be starting this brand new job with new people that I didn't know, the th- and I'd never pumped throughout my journey so far. When it, when, when it really came to the crunch time, I just thought, I can't do it. I can't pump in my lunch hour. My boobs aren't responding to this breast pump that I have. It will just be a nightmare. I'll have no time to eat my lunch. um. So I decided that I would gradually wean my baby off daytime feeds and give her formula. And this broke my heart because I, we'd worked so hard to establish breastfeeding. It took us about six weeks to get breastfeeding, to, you know, to really get going with that. And then it, become, it became this lovely journey for both of us and then all of a sudden okay it's nine months on but still that's our main source of it's our only source our main source of nutrition yes she was on solids but you Mm -hmm. know at nine months old how much are they really taking at that time so um although it was a decision I made and I was you know pretty well informed I'd done my research I'd still broke my heart to do this Mm um uh and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that so we felt it was important to include those um that chapter in the book and also we include a mom a mummy story a positive mummy story of combination feeding you know she um her baby was i I think maybe five or six months old her milk supply was well established and she wanted she was not getting any sleep she had a Mm boob monster who just was wakening every hour on the hour for a feed and she thought i have to introduce a bottle so she introduced a bottle of formula at like seven o'clock at night her husband gave baby the bottle of formula and she got some sleep like you know a couple of you know a decent three-hour sleep and it was life-changing for her and again she made that a really informed um decision on her part and she does not regret it whatsoever it was and it allowed her to keep breastfeeding because she felt good about that and she thought okay well I can keep breastfeeding for another wee while I'm not gonna because she was tempted to give up you know so in that case um you know, how wonderful then to, you know, mm-hmm. in lots of cases. So is that something that you hear a lot of as well, that it actually helps elongate the breastfeeding journey? Yeah,
1: yeah completely. So it, it, it's going to allow breastfeeding to continue alongside other things quite often. And your story is a really good example of um, it allowing you to return to work um i spoke to a colleague today who said you know i had to mix feed because i was at university when my son was born so my mum had him a lot of the time and we live in a society that expects women to be economically useful to to be out there earning and and doing more than just you know looking pretty and feeding a baby at home i say that with tongue in cheek um (laughs) it allows you to share the care with somebody else it allows um people to, um, get on with their lives, to get some sleep. So it might really feel like that lifesaver, um, for a lot of people, it might add unwelcome complexity for others, and it might be a real mixed blessing. Um, you know, so even, you know, the same person might feel different things at different times. You can really see the value of it for some. Um, but because it's, um an area that doesn't get particularly well researched. I think that the the formula companies are cottoning on to this. They're like, well, mixed feeding is the thing now. So there are some um brands that will explicitly market their milk as the best one for combi feeding. Um which is, you know, how how can you even make that claim? <laughs> what on earth is it that's going to make your milk, your formula better for combining with breast milk than another one anyway that's a question I don't know the answer to um but a lot of the research about breastfeeding generally um, and about mixed feeding is is quite technical it's like well how 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 does breastfeeding work and, and why do people mix feed and why do they not properly breastfeed because there's always this assumption that that's the that's the end goal of research and it doesn't account for the messiness of people's lives and all of the pressures that people are under um and that that is so heavily exploited by the formula industry that it's made the bar for giving formula really low, so it, it makes it seem like formula that is fine, it's okay, um, and so that yeah, there is absolutely that assumption that you'll do both.
0: I think certainly, um, you know, there there is that feeling now amongst parents. Oh, this 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 is the way forward. Mixed feeding. This sounds great. Best mm. of the And I kind of mentioned that. But yeah. you have to go into it with both eyes open and know what the pros and cons are of it. Well, yeah. Really think, will it work for you and your family? could be a game changer or else it could be the beginning of the end of breastfeeding at the same time. Whereas we've talked about how it can elongate your breastfeeding journey. It could also, if not done properly, it could really shorten your breastfeeding journey if you don't yeah. monitor it carefully and understand, as we talked about, the demand and supply. Um, Yeah, so... I think, yeah, you need to go in with it with open eyes. And that brings me on to my last question. So if anyone's listening, they're in, they're really interested in hearing more about mixed feeding. They're maybe thinking about it for their own family and think, oh yeah, this would work. This would work. Um, where would you point them to to find out more information?
1: Um, I would love them to read my book. <laughs> I would say um, get support and um, get really good breastfeeding support. Sometimes um, I hear mums say that At the point at which they've introduced some formula, even though their plan is to continue breastfeeding, they get a little bit dropped by services who basically write them off because they're no longer an exclusively breastfeeding mother. So perhaps they don't need that kind of support because they've got their formula and they can just get on with that. And I think that's really not the case. It's not right to abandon people who still need um, that help. Understand how breastfeeding works because that's the hardest bit to hold on to. Um, And if it's important to you, you need to sustain it and then understand the risk either way of, you know, changing the balance. But don't be afraid to try and change the balance because our bodies are very versatile. And it can be the case that if you are um, if you're using both and you would like to do more breastfeeding, that that is that is something that you can do. And it may take a little bit of support and it might take a little bit of time, but if you are able to um, give it that, then you can absolutely tip towards a bit more breastfeeding equally. You could possibly tip towards a bit more formula feeding, but the, there are risks of, of complexity in both of those situations. So get support from somebody who knows what they're doing. Don't be afraid to try and change things so that it works better in your family. Um, and yeah, just this a general understanding of how it all works.
0: Yeah. And it's never too late to get support. I think some people think, "Oh, but my baby's such and such an age; they're like ten months now. I shouldn't need the support." But you know, the breast, our journey is constantly evolving and changing. You know, as I mentioned, I was breastfeeding my daughter exclusively for nine months, and then all of a sudden, I find myself in the situation of, "Oh, I need to do mixed feeding." But I didn't know the term of it then. I just knew that okay, I'd made this decision. I was going to introduce formula how the heck am I going to do that? And will she, will my baby take to it? Now, thankfully, my daughter had no issues taking a bottle, but that's not always the case. So there's lots no. of things to think about. So um, yes, uh, definitely do your research. Obviously check out your book, um, Karen, as well. Thank you so much for writing such an important book and thank you for your time today. Um, it's been really enlightening and I hope everyone has enjoyed listening to us. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you to El Tutu for sponsoring the Boobing podcast. You can check out L22's full range of rockers, gliders and electric recliners online as there'll be a nursery chair that's beautiful, supportive and comfortable waiting to complement your nursery. Remember to use the code BOOB20 at the checkout for 20% off their entire range, excluding any other offer or discount code. The BOOB20 code ends 25th December 2023. See their Terms and Conditions page for more details thank you for listening to this episode you can find out the latest breastfeeding news and information on boobingit.com and you can also join the boobingit community on facebook instagram and twitter see you in the next show